Hello, this is Jaden Fender. We want to thank you for listening today. We would love to connect with you on social media. Now let's go into the live message. This is a story that is so much more about a healing of a physical ailment called leprosy. Leprosy is way worse than anything that we are dealing with presently in our world or in our nation. You think COVID was bad, leprosy's got it beat. You think cancer was bad, leprosy was a type of cancer, but on the outside of the body, most people with cancer, they get to stay in their comfort zone. They get to stay in that place that they are comfortable while they are going through treatment and while they are uh, going to see the doctor. But once you found, once they found out you had leprosy, you were uh, excommunicated. You were uh, disconnected from your family. You lost your job. You lost the right to even go to the temple and the synagogue. And so when we look at this story, the first thing we talk about is the healing of leprosy. And can I tell you that when God heals you, you ought to shout about it, it's a good thing. When God touches your body, you ought to testify about it, it's a good thing. Can I just remind you that a lot of us came from the churches. In this church, we used to have testimony service where we would pass around the live mic to everybody and everybody would get to tell what the Lord has done. And I think that if we did that today, we could have church till midnight tonight. Just talking about the things that God has healed us from, delivered us from, ushered us into, the relationships he's given us, the blessing, the job, the increase. I'm here to tell you, when God does something good in your life, you ought to thank God. But a lot of times, church, we miss the biggest miracle looking at the most obvious miracle. The most obvious miracle of being healed from leprosy is that you do not have leprosy anymore. But God is not just wanting to heal this man from leprosy or these men. He is wanting to, to usher them back into their homes for their marriages to be rekindled, for their jobs to be restored, for their family to be complete. And so can I just tell you for every miracle that we praise God for, there's another 10 or 15 miracles at least that are connected to that miracle that we ought to be able to throw up a hand on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night. I know I'm in the right church that knows how to praise God, that even on a Monday morning, you can say, God, I thank you for what you've done. I could have still been over here and I still could have been doing that, but because of your work in my life, I am changed. The Bible says that if I had 10,000 tongues, I still couldn't say enough. I still couldn't thank God enough. I thank God for my wife. But I also thank God that I didn't get stuck with one of the other four billion women on this earth. I thank God that I'm born a resident of Texas in the greatest nation ever. But I also thank God that I didn't wake up in a third world country hungry today with no roof above my head. Every miracle you thank God about, there's another dozen miracles that we should be thanking God about. Leprosy was just the beginning. 
This is rather a miracle of thanksgiving and gratitude. Do you realize every time you say thank you, Jesus, it's a miracle because you are heaping praise on the one that caused that miracle and you are giving the devil a black eye saying you couldn't stop what God wanted to do in my life. You know, the Bible says he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's not just stealing your car and taking your house. That's stealing the food that you're going to eat today. That's stealing the relationships you have. If you're looking, if you're looking for a reason to complain, you will find one, church. If you're looking for a reason to praise, you will find one. If you're looking for a reason to complain, living in Texas, we could talk about our property taxes. But if we're looking for a reason to praise, we could be living in California. All the Californians are looking down. Philippians 2, 4, 2, verses 14 and 15 says, do everything without complaining and arguing. Do everything without complaining and arguing. That word everything means everything, all things. Do everything without complaining and arguing, which means that if you cannot complain and argue, you've got one of two choices, to keep your mouth shut or to praise a living God. And I choose to praise a living God. I choose to use my mouth to create praise, to create worship, to create something. We clearly see in this story there are two types of lepers. There are good lepers and there are bad lepers. Doesn't mean that you're going to be a leper forever, but while you're a leper, you can still praise God. While you're going through adversity, you can still praise God. Remember this, church. You will never live not one second on this earth and have nothing to be grateful for and nothing to praise God for. I can praise God for what he's done. I can praise God for what he's doing. And faith says I can praise God for what has not yet happened, but what he has promised. Never let your gratitude grow cold. I'm still thanking God for things in 2023 that he did 10 years ago. I'm keeping a list of all the things that God has done. I'm thanking God for things that he did 30 years ago, 40 years ago. Can I encourage you to never let your thanksgiving grow cold? How many of you like eating leftovers? Raise your hand. Man, there's a lot less than I thought. The Thanksgiving is one and done, y'all. I eat as much as I can at that table because the only leftovers I'm eating are deviled eggs after, after Thanksgiving, and that's because they're served cold. Now, my brother, my brother will be eating Thanksgiving dinner until Christmas. If it's there, he's warming it up, and he's eating it. There's a lot of us that are treating God like what he did yesterday is a leftover. Can I tell you, it is, it is good to praise God in the moment when he rescues you out of despair. That's a good time to thank, you, thank God. But I'm going to tell you when a real good time to thank God is, is when everything is perfect and you don't have anything going wrong in your life to look back and say, God, I thank you for what you did six months ago, but I thank you that I'm still free. I thank you, God, that I'm still in my right mind. God, I'm, I don't have everything I need, everything I want, but I have everything I need and I could be like I used to be. Don't let your praise grow cold. There are some people who will not celebrate or thank God until next November. We are not those people. This is not that church. Never let the fire of thanksgiving turn to ash, but keep 
piling up logs of praise. Keep that fire burning. The psalmist said, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praises shall continually be in my mouth. Remember the one who penned that went into a valley with Goliath and he praised God there. He came out of the valley with Goliath's head and he praised God there. He was a peeping Tom and had some sexual lust in his life, but it never kept him from praising. Even in his setback, he was a praiser. On this trail to the comeback, he was a praiser. When he was a nobody shepherd, he was a praiser. But when he was the greatest king Israel had ever had, he was a praiser. Never let it grow cold. Never let Thanksgiving turn to ash. Here's one that's big for me. We must never acknowledge Jesus only for what he has done, but we must fall in love with him for who he is. Let me explain that. Jesus heals me, but he's more than a doctor. He delivers me, but he's more than an exorcist. He advocates for me, but he's so much more than a lawyer. He comforts me, but he's more than a psychologist. He has saved me, but he is more than a savior. Can I encourage you not to fall in love with God's hand because that is performance, but fall in love with God's presence, fall in love with God's face, fall in love with God's mouth, meaning God, when I'm in your presence, you don't have to give me anything. Just being in your presence, just sitting with you, God, just hearing the, the vision you have for my life, just being in your presence is enough. I know you could heal and deliver, and I know you will favor and bless bless me, but that's not why I'm in relationship with you. I love you because you are God and there is no one like you. I love you because of who you are, not what you can do. Let's go to the original text, verse 11, chapter 17. And Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem. He reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. Verse 12, as he entered a village there, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance. The first thing that I want to encourage you with is, is this, uh, this testament or this story or this account of lepers being healed should excite everybody in this room because it proves that Jesus doesn't have to physically touch you to bring a miracle, that God can move through distance and time. I'm so glad that this story is here because these men stood afar off from Jesus and they cried out to Jesus to have mercy. Everybody else, they said, don't come close. Everybody else, they said, I'm a leper and I'm dirty and don't come close to me. But when they found out Jesus was close, they said, hey, Jesus, you don't have to come to where I am. Just send your word and do something because I know you can. And I'm here to shout about it on a Sunday in November of 2023. The physical state of Jesus might not be in the room, but his spirit is in the room. His word is in the room. His anointing is in the room. And just like he did it for 10 lepers, he will do it for you. Turn to your neighbor and say he'll do it for you. He entered the village, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. I don't know what these three men knew. I don't know how much they attended the temple. 
I don't know if they had grown up reciting the Torah and reciting the laws of Moses, but I do know this church. They didn't know a whole lot, but they knew enough. They knew to call on the name of Jesus when they needed something. I am here to tell you, and I know that culture has changed and shifted a lot of views about church, but this is not a woke church or a progressive church. This is a Bible church, and I'm here to declare to you today that if you've got things going on before you call me, call Jesus. Before you reach out to the prayer team, call Jesus. He is near. He is waiting. He is willing. And if we had more people called Jesus than their friends, if we had more people called Jesus than email the church, we'd be so much better off. Before you ever email Living Ways prayer team, call on Jesus. Declare the word of God. Stand on the word of God. Call your prayer partner. Call your praise partner. They knew the name of Jesus. It didn't stop there because Jesus... The name of God, but also proving they believed in the sonship of God. When you say the name of Jesus, you have now made a differentiation between Jesus and Buddha. Between Jesus and Muhammad, Jesus and Hare Krishna, Jesus and any of the other false religions. When you say Jesus, you have now separated yourself from so-called faith people to the one and only faith that there is. The one that is founded in Jesus Christ. I don't know these ten men, but I do know enough about them that they knew enough about Jesus. That when they could not get to the doctor, when the church kicked them out when they saw Jesus they called Jesus comma master here's where it gets dicey church there's a lot of us that call him Jesus but there are many that don't call him master and when I say us there's a lot of us that call on that name Jesus master church, defines lordship. Jesus means you know the name. Even in the book of Acts, when the sons of Sceva were pretending to be like Paul, said in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, come out and be delivered. The evil spirit said, Paul I know. Jesus I know, but I don't know who you are. Here's the thing, church. I know you know the name of Jesus, but do you know Jesus? I know you can quote the name of Jesus, but do you know Jesus? Like, for real, for real. I know you can quote some of his scripture, but you can quote some of Snoop Dogg's lyrics. That don't mean you know Snoop. Man, Snoop had some of y'all this week. Y'all thought he quit smoking. He's out there selling fire pits. Y'all thought he had had a Jesus moment. Just because you know the lyric doesn't mean you know the author. 
Just because you read some of the book doesn't mean that you are in personal relationship with the one who penned the book. And I am afraid that a generation is growing up in church and knowing to say the name of Jesus, but not treating him and living with him as master. I'm talking to somebody in here today that we get it cute for 90 minutes on Sunday morning and we get it cute for an hour and 15 minutes on Wednesday and we shuffle our kids off to VBS and Sunday school and summer camp. But I am afraid that we've gotten really good at shouting the name of Jesus on Sunday and then going about our lives Monday through Saturday. I don't just know him as Jesus. He is my master. He is my Lord. He is my king. He is involved in everyday portions of my life. Master is his office. It's who he is. It's the authority. When he, when they say master, I love this. When they say, Master Sean, they have now relinquished control of their situation. And they have given it to Jesus. Church, if I can encourage you today, I want to let you know that when you say Jesus, all of heaven turns. Jesus shows up. But when you say master, you now relinquish control and say, God, I'm tired of living like this. I want you to take control. I'm tired of making the wrong decisions. I want you to lead the way. Jesus, master. See, there was a lot of people. Jesus, over here. Jesus, heal me. Jesus, there's, a, there's an evil spirit over here. And there's a lot of Jesus is being thrown around. But when they said master, he said, oh, that's a different Jesus now. This is somebody who is relinquishing control of the situation. They're putting all of their eggs in the Jesus basket. They're looking to me to bring finality to what they're facing. They're looking to me to bring restoration to what they're going through. Said, Jesus, Master, have mercy. They knew his name, Jesus. They knew the office and authority, Master. And now they know the gift of mercy flows from the Messiah and the Master. They did not, they did not receive what they should have. That's what mercy is. Have mercy on us. We know we don't deserve it, God, but we know that you're a good God. I'm glad and grateful for mercy today. I'm grateful that when I had all that crazy sin in my life, that he did not snuff my life out, but he gave me a second chance through the blood of Jesus and through the forgiveness that he paid for on the cross. I'm grateful that when I still make mistakes and I still sin, that God is still available there with, guess what? Fresh mercy every day. He said, you got a sin, I got mercy for it. You messed up, I got mercy for it. Don't, don't run away from me, run to me because I've got mercy. He looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priests. Go show yourselves to the priest. The reason that he sends them to the priest is because it was the priest who first checked them for leprosy and kicked them out of the city. So it is the priest who have to give the AOK -okay sign. I'm going to preach somebody happy today. The same people that disqualified you the same people that said you are not worthy. 
The same people who cut you off because of what you did or what you had become. God is going to send you back to the same people. And the same mouths that rose up against you are now going to call you blessed. Are now going to be the ones that reintroduce you to what they stole. I'm not keeping receipts because God is keeping my receipts. He said, you go tell the priest that ruins your marriage that a check again. You go tell the priest who said you couldn't work at that job to check again. Go and show yourselves to the priests. Can I just prophesy for the next 40 days, for the next 400 days, 2024 is going to be a year where the people that wrote you off are going to come back into your life. They're going to apologize for what they did and they're going to be part of the launching pad that launches you to the next season of your life. I hope somebody grabs that. That's not for everybody, but it's for somebody. The one that wrote you off is about to write you back in, praise God. The one that's been running their mouth about you in a bad way is going to start singing the praises of God. Look at what the Lord has done in your life. He looks at them and says, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. As they went, they were cleansed. Talking about being part of the 10%. You got to be able to hear the voice of God, recognize who Jesus is, recognize him as master, receive his mercy, but to be a part of the 10%, it's going to take obedience. Somebody say obedience. I love that Jesus heals them without ever physically touching them. This should encourage us today. But one of the things I love is he doesn't just say you're healed. Now go. He says, go show yourselves to the priest. He never mentioned leprosy at the beginning. He never mentioned healing at the beginning. But the Bible says as they went, they began to be healed. Can I tell you, there's something to be said about obedience. Some of us are waiting for the miracle to be obedient, but the miracle is waiting on obedience. Some of us are saying, when I get the miracle, that's when I'll obey. But the miracle is saying, when I see obedience, that's when I'm going to show up. I need somebody in the room that understands obedience. That when God says it, I don't need to pray about it. When God puts it in my heart in front of me, I don't need to fast about it. There are some things we need to pray for. There are some things we need to fast for. But the devil's been lying to you that what God is said does not need any prayer over. If God said it, then I'm going to do it because my healing is tied to my obedience. As they went, what, what if they said, yeah, yeah, okay, Jesus, when, when, when we're healed, then we'll go to the priests. No, as you go, as you go, as they went, they were healed. I love this. This is proven in scripture. I'm sure out of the 10 of them, Sister Tanya, one of them run a, ran a 4-3-40, I'm sure. I'm sure there was some like me that couldn't run a 4-3-40 on a bicycle. But there was some that were really quick. There was some that were really slow. But Jesus said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were healed, meaning the expedition 
addition or the expediting of your miracle depends wholly on your obedience. The faster you obey, the faster you're going to get healed. The faster he ran, the faster his body began to come back because he said, I only got two minutes till I see the priest. In the next two minutes, every step he took, flesh was being created. God was touching his body, but the slow poke like me that was out at a brisk jog or a brisk walk. I was slower, but every step I took, it doesn't matter how fast you go. As long as with every step of obedience, I'm stronger than I used to be. I'm better than I used to be. I'm part of the 10%. I, I got a couple more minutes before we, we end today. There's a lot to be said about as they go, they're healed. Obedience can, cannot be. I, I was shocked when I found out, and I found this out after I was married. I was shocked that mayonnaise can be used as a substitute for eggs in baking. Is that right, Mandy? Is that, she taught me that. Once I found that out, the pastries didn't taste as good. I understand the eggs, but the mayonnaise, and I like mayonnaise, but I like it on sandwiches, not in brownies. And so knowing that there's a substitute, can I tell you, church, there is no substitute for obedience. There's no shortcut for obedience. So the reason I praise is because of God doing great things in my life. The reason I worship is because God being a great God in my life. That means I can praise without ever being obedient. But to worship, I have to be obedient. I can praise someone I'm not in relationship with. I can celebrate touchdowns. I can celebrate buzzer beaters. I can celebrate a lottery ticket that wins a thousand a week for the rest of my, I can praise and celebrate all of those things without ever knowing the author of those things. But when it comes to worship, worship only happens in relationship. Check this out. If worship only happens in relationship, the only relationship that works with us and God is one that is birthed in obedience. That when you tell me to do something, God, I'm going to do it. Here is the call. He says to 10 of them, go and show yourselves to the priest. Verse 15, one of them, the 10% club, when he saw that he was healed, now let, let, let's break this down just for a moment. As he went, he was made whole. He says that he is now healed, which means he's standing at the doorstep of the church. The nine have rushed in and are showing their skin to the priest. But the one, the 10% club says, the priest will always be here. I can always come and show myself to them. But let me go track down Jesus before he leaves this area.